A note from Robert P. Rabbit, 12. I have to admit that I don't know as much about the other animals in the world as I thought I did. Where I'm from, in the Appalachian Mountains, my friends are mostly deer, raccoons, possums, squirrels, and chipmunks, and even baby cougars, bears, foxes, and wildcats. It's only when these predators grow up that they start getting mean and I quit playing with them. But out here in the West, I'm seeing things I've never seen before. There are these really big animals called moose that look like overgrown deer to me. It looks like moose's antlers forgot to spread out into separate prongs like on deer. They just stay together and flatten out like big pancakes, and they look so heavy that I don't know how moose keep their heads up. There are also animals called elk that all run around together like they're afraid to go off by themselves for fear of getting lost or something. I've seen four or five deer together before, but nothing like the 25 or 30 of these elk that make up what Grandad says is a herd. And then there are these really big hairy things that I think have succeeded in confusing the humans. Some people call them bison, and other people call them buffalo. It's like they can't make up their mind what they really are. Go figure. Personally, I just call them strange. Chapter 12. The Second Clue When Katie and Emily came back to the lodge from the cave, they found Grandad and Polly sitting on the benches where they had been sitting earlier. "'Where have you been?' Polly asked anxiously. "'We were so worried about you.' "'Gee,' said Katie, "'this place is so small and closed in. There aren't too many places we could go. We certainly couldn't get lost.' Well, we don't know what dangers there could be lurking out there in the desert and in the rocks, said Polly. It's okay, Polly. Robert P. Rabbit was with us, and he would keep us safe. And if anything happened to us, he would come to tell you and lead you to us, said Emily. Polly could see that this was going nowhere, so she just decided to be glad they were back and give them each a hug. She even hugged Robert P. Rabbit. Did you find out anything? asked Grandad. We haven't had any luck at all. Katie, Emily, and Robert P. Rabbit took turns telling them everything about Singing Waters and her mother, and Little Bear, and the cave, exclaiming proudly, And we found the rock that will not move. Emily explained, And Katie figured out that it wasn't a rock at all, but a person, because we have all been saying it wrong. We kept saying the rock that does not move, but what it really says is, the rock that will not move, not does not move, and Katie said a rock has no will to move, so it must be a person. That's great, Katie. How did you find that person? asked Grandad. So they continued to tell them all about how Little Bear had led them into the cave and how they found his great-grandfather there. They told them how Larry Burkett had come to know the old man and how Larry had become an honorary member of the tribe. Finally, Katie said, and here, Grandad, is the second clue to finding the moon rock. And with that, she handed Grandad the envelope. I don't know what to say, said Grandad. I'm just so proud of all three of you. I didn't think we were making any progress on finding this clue, but the three of you have been such great detectives and done all of the work in finding this information. Let's get out of this canyon and then open the clue. I think we've all had enough of this terrible heat. Just then, Uncle Eric, Wendy, and Will came up to the lodge from having spent the afternoon in the pools below the waterfall. I filled them in, and they also agreed that we ought to get out of the canyon as soon as possible and be on our way. 
but no one had any idea of an easier way to do it other than walking out just like we had walked in, until Emily said, Wait a minute, let me and Katie go ask Little Bear what he would do. So off they went, and in a few minutes they came back with Little Bear. He led us to the edge of town, where we had seen some horses and mules in a corral earlier. There was no grass on the ground, as the animals' hooves had trampled anything that might have tried to grow there, and every time one of them took a step, small clouds of dust rose up from the parched ground. "'I don't think that there is anyone around,' Will said. "'Oh, yes, they are here,' answered Little Bear. "'See those horses and mules over there? They have saddles on them. Their owners never saddle those animals unless they are about to ride them, because it is too hot to leave a saddle on all the time. I'll go to the barn and find someone.' In a few minutes he returned. "'I need Katie to go with me,' he said." and off they both went. Little Bear had to slow down for Katie because she was using her crutches, but he didn't seem to mind. We saw them both talking with a Havasupai man who came out of the barn, and after a while, Little Bear waved for us to come over. This man is my uncle. He is called Kwanatula in our language, said Little Bear. It means the tree that stands tall, because he showed unusual strength in his testing time when he became a man. He will take you out on these horses and mules. How much should I pay him? I asked. Why, nothing at all, said Little Bear, acting surprised I would even ask. He will do it because it was requested of him by a princess of our tribe. Oh, do you mean Singing Waters? Where can we find her to thank her? I asked. No, not Singing Waters, said Little Bear. Princess Yawana, which means the one with the loving heart. Where can I find her? I asked again. Little Bear smirked. Why, right beside you. She is the one to whom the rock that will not move gave the turquoise stone to wear around her neck when he made her a princess. Since I am going to become the chief one day, I gave her a new name, and with that, Little Bear walked away. Only then did I notice the beautiful turquoise stone hanging around Katie's neck, she had been made a princess of the Supai Indian tribe and hadn't even told us. Apparently, she had asked Emily not to say anything earlier, as she didn't want to look like she was bragging. Katie, I asked, weren't you going to tell us? Yes, but it just didn't seem like the right time yet. But I'm glad you know now. I never, ever thought I would be a princess. Well, you've always been a princess to us, Polly said, giving her a big hug. Hey, said Will. If you are a princess, does that make me a prince? In your dreams, said Emily, and everyone laughed. Well, because of Katie's new status as royalty, we were all able to get out of the canyon in royal style on our trusty steeds who did all the work while we just went along for the ride. By the time we made it to the top of the canyon and back to our SUV and Uncle Eric's truck, it was nighttime. Uncle Eric made a campsite for all of us with a big fire and I pulled out the second clue so we could talk about it, and maybe see where we were going next. Here is what the clue said. Go north from where you are to the state with the lowest population of all the lower 48 states. Look for the town that is famous for being in a hole, and that is surrounded by majestic mountains. Outside of this town, there are buffalo roaming freely. You need to go to the place of hospitality where every day, morning, noon, and night, rain or snow or sunshine, you can go out on your cabin porch and see the buffalo. It is here you will find your next clue. 
it will be in the possession of one who shows no fear in the presence of raging fury and high spirits, and who overcomes one much stronger than he, with nothing but words and a calm presence. Okay, I asked, does anyone have any ideas? It seems to me we have to look for a small state, said Will. The smallest one I know of is Rhode Island. But there are supposed to be mountains there, Katie commented, and Rhode Island doesn't have any mountains. Maybe it's New Hampshire. I know which state it is, said Emily. I found it on the internet. Now, you may be wondering how Emily got online in such a remote place. Fortunately for us, there was a cell tower in the Havasu Canyon, put there for the benefit of the visitors to the canyon, and we were able to pick up the signal where we were. It says here that the state with the lowest population in the lower 48 states is Wyoming. That fits, said Uncle Eric, because the clue also said that there is a town in a hole, and it is surrounded by two mountain ranges. And I can remember seeing lots of buffalo in the National Park outside of Jackson Hole when we came out here as kids, Wendy added. Okay, I said, that solves the problem of where we go next, but how do we find a place of hospitality where no matter what time of the day or night or what time of the year, you can see buffalo from your cabin porch? Maybe it is a place next to a zoo or a buffalo corral, said Will. That sounds like a good possibility, I said, so let's go to Jackson Hole and see what we can find. We all had trouble sleeping because we were so excited about our adventure continuing the next morning, but little did we know that our third clue was going to be a little more difficult to find than we originally thought. <laughs>